Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our merch store, onthefinside.threadless.com. The Dolphins coaching search has entered its second week, and the candidates are starting to dwindle. But based on some whispers, it's starting to sound like there's a little bit more clarity But before we dive into who may be the next coach for the Miami Dolphins, based on what we're seeing and hearing out there, let's go through the candidates and where they've landed so far, including a very important one, too. So there were eight coaching vacancies over the NFL. Six of those eight coaches have been hired at the time we're recording this show. The Broncos hired Vic Fangio, a coach that we were very interested in, the former Bears defensive coordinator. The Browns promoted offensive coordinator Freddie Kitchens, which is very popular. Bucks, a big coup, getting Bruce Arians out of retirement for a swap of uh, late-round draft picks. For the Green Bay Packers, they hire Titans offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur. The Cardinals make Cliff Kingsbury their head coach after he had just weeks earlier accepted a coordinator role with the USC. That leaves... That leaves now three head coaching vacancies, but now we're down to two because the Miami Dolphins, former head coach, Adam Gaze, that little Benedict Arnold. And I got to tell you, Paul, my my wife uh, was giddy about this because we're, we're sitting there in the kitchen and she grabs my phone because I get all the Dolphins alerts sent. So she knew that Adam Gaze was the coach of the Jets before I did. So she's going to hold that over my head for uh, till the end of time, but. What was your first reaction when you found out that Benedict Arnold, Adam Gase, crossed over to the dark side and became the head coach of the New York Jets? Well, the funny thing is, is I think Rachel knew before both of us, because I found out when I got a message from both you and my father that uh, Gase got hired. But my immediate reaction was, I got all giddy, too. And, you know, I can't wait for the MetLife takeover this year, because I have a funny feeling for the first time ever – at a a MetLife takeover, Dolphins fans and Jet fans will be unanimously shouting shouting, G-A-S-E sucks, sucks, sucks during the game, which it'll be the first time ever that the entire stadium, both sides are chanting the same thing. But, you know, it's, I look at it as, God, you you look at some of the former Dolphins, whether you agree with them leaving or not, um, guys like Jarvis Landry, guys like, uh, uh, what's his name there? Parker, Jordan Phillips. (laughs) I mean, you go down the list. It's, I mean, if the Jets wanted the Dolphins to play up against them, this is the way to do it from the sound of it. I mean, you can't tell me at least a few guys on this roster if they were as unhappy as it's been reported, aren't going to walk into that stadium and do everything in their power to make Adam Gase look even stupider. So 
Bravo Jets, way to motivate the Dolphins for at least two games next year. Yeah, and, you know, I was listening to a former contributor here, uh, C.K. Parrott, listening to his podcast, and he had mentioned that the people that were in the locker room after the Bills game, typically when you're asked, hey, you think Adam Gaze will be back next year? Are you going to be back? Danny Amendola said, yeah, I'll be back because I'm under contract. And Juwan James said, when asked if he'll be back, said, well, it depends who's here next year. Typically, you don't get that reaction after a week 17 game where you went seven and nine. You say, hey, I love my coach. I want him to stay. You know, that's not up to me. Something like that. But you didn't weren't hearing that from the players. And you didn't see a lot of players like Cameron Wake stepping up and saying, yes, this is my guy. So that's telling. I'm not convinced Adam Gaze will always be a terrible coach, but his time here was done. There's no doubt about that. I'm glad he didn't go to Cleveland because if he had gone to Cleveland, Paul, and Baker Mayfield turns into the superstar, we think Adam Gaze would be successful, whether it had anything to do with him or not. Well, yeah, but I also was kind of rooting for Cleveland and I was rooting for Cleveland to get the season of hard knocks and I would have been glued to my seat the entire time watching Jarvis Landry and Adam Gase just brawl during every practice leading up to the season. Uh, Jarvis Landry is not exactly a rational thinker, as we all know. So, you know, you can throw rationality out the window and when you've got your $17 million a year alpha receiver who's not a rational thinker and the coach that he absolutely abhors more than anybody on the planet, that could have been an amazing combination of watching Baker Mayfield try to break it up. It would have been the most toxic environment in football, and I would have loved every moment of hard knocks watching that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And, and I think that's why Jarv, why Gates is not there or was in never in serious consideration for that too. You just can't put those two back together after what happened. But, Paul, looking at the rest of the coach list here, I know you were pretty high on Vic Fangio and Bruce Arians. So was I. Any uh, frustration on your end when you saw them go to the Broncos and the Bucks? Not really. I mean, the Dolphins declined to interview Fangio by all reports. So more power to them. I don't know if he wanted ultimate power. And Greer just kind of went, mm, nope, next. I mean, it's you have to pretty much blow an interview before it begins for for a GM to turn around and go, yeah, on second thought, we're not going to interview you. So something was hinky there. I don't think we'll ever truly know what it was, but I'm okay with it. I mean, it, it's yeah. I had him 1A, 1B with, uh, with Chris Richard. So – you know, it, it, it's – I'm not unhappy with where the rumor mill is leading us. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And there are only two coaching vacancies, and it seems that the Dolphins aren't just sitting back in their hands. They're wanting to hire two coaches – or they're looking at two coaches right now who are already in the playoffs. The top one by far is Chris Richard, the Cowboys – defensive backs coach slash passing game defensive coordinator who's a very very hot name I actually remember when this guy was drafted by the Seahawks in 2002 I remember scouting him in one of my first NFL drafts that I was looking at so funny how time passes by but at this point 
I would be very disappointed if Chris Richard were not the head coach of the Miami Dolphins here by this time next week. And based on what you're hearing from from radio show tacos like Gil Brandt and like Elvis Al, Alex Marvez, it's starting to sound like it'd be a surprise if Richard was not the head coach of the Dolphins. It completely would be, and, and you know, there's a lot of reasons to like the Richard move. It's it sounds like. He was kind of a scapegoat fire in Seattle after they dropped a little bit, and Pete Carroll just wanted to shake up his staff, which is fine. You know, you're going to be hard pressed to find a good coaching candidate that hasn't been fired from somewhere. Let's let's face it. I mean, it's I'm okay with that. What he did with the Dallas secondary is is something that let's face it, we've been wanting to see from a defensive coordinator anyway, and for a really long time, and really on the offensive side of the ball. He took people and put them in positions to succeed. And, and the example I'll use is Byron Jones, who was put at safety for a couple of years, was kind of meandering about, looking like a draft bust. I know he's a guy out of Connecticut. But then you look, he moved him over to corner this year, which was an astronomically good move. Suddenly he's, you know, an all-pro corner, at least all-pro level. He allowed one touchdown this season on a superhuman effort, and that's it. I mean, it's, you know, and that's just an example, but it, it's it's how he puts his players in position to succeed that I'm most excited about with, with Richard. And he plays aggressive, which we haven't had an aggressive Miami coach in – I'm just going to go with yeah on that. because 20 years? <laughs> Shula maybe, I'd say? Yeah, everybody yeah. else has been a snoozer. I mean, what I like about Chris Richard is that he's a yeller, and I want a yeller in here, somebody who's going to get in the faces of his players instead of uh, drawing doodles sitting on the bench after your offensive guard just committed his third penalty in a row. So I'm very excited about this. And, you know, what you were saying about Byron Jones is absolutely correct. This was a guy who I know you weren't incredibly high on coming out of UConn, and nobody's seen more UConn football than you when he came out as a rookie, but he was a very good athlete. And then this past year, they moved him from safety to cornerback. He was a he did make the Pro Bowl, and he made the Pro Bowl, I believe, with no interceptions, which speaks more to how well he played. But even beyond Byron Jones, the rest of that secondary is made up of a lot of second and third round picks and journeymen. I mean, their second cornerback is, I believe, Anthony Brown, a former sixth rounder. Jadobi Awuzie, a former late second rounder. And Jordan Lewis, a former early third rounder. And these guys were just taken over the past couple of years. So he melded that unit together very, very well. And their safeties are Jeff Heath, who is a journeyman. Uh, or excuse me, not a journey, journeyman, but a backup type and a special teamer that's played pretty well and uh Kayvon Frazier so uh, you know former sixth round pick so he blended this unit very very well together but that pales in comparison to when he was hired with the Seahawks he was hired by the Seahawks in 2010 and in that year they draft Earl Thomas in the first Cam Chancellor in the fifth round that following year, Chris Richard is promoted to cornerbacks coach, and they draft Richard Sherman. Bam! The Legion of Doom, uh, the, the Legion of Boom, is born, and becomes one of the most ferocious units in football. So, for a team that needs to start somewhere, Paul, 
why not start with a defensive back group that's going to have Minka and Xavier Howard and Bobby McCain and Rashad Jones in the secondary? Yeah, it, it, it also, I think, puts to bed the probability that some idiots have put out there about trading Xavier Howard. I know you and I both are not high on that idea. Uh, because basically you trade Xavier for a first, you created a hole, and then you're trying to grab somebody that maybe fills a hole, maybe doesn't, maybe turns into something, maybe doesn't. I mean, granted, first-rounders are as sure as they come, but there's a pretty high whiff rate on first-rounders as well as far as them actually turning into the players you want them to be. So it's I to me, you don't trade a stud building block for maybe it'll be something. But that's just me. Yeah, and it's not just people on Twitter either. You know, Dolphins beat writers were suggesting this too. I'm like, are you? how high are you to suggest this? I mean, the only way I would even sniff around that possibility is if there were like five Andrew Luck type of prospects and you had to get into the top five and you got an offer for two first-rounders, then maybe. But for a first-rounder or a first-rounder and a fourth-rounder, like you're going to yeah. end up in 2019 taking that pick and drafting a cornerback who has little to no chance of replicating what Xavier Howard has done, which over the last 17 games, he has 11 interceptions. You know how unheard of that is? And he shuts mm-hmm. down the side of the field. Well, and you, you did bring me to something else I just want to touch on very briefly. I don't want us to spend a lot of time on it. But when you're talking about Dolphins beat writers, I'm sorry, and anybody listening to this show probably knows exactly who I'm talking about. But this tank for Tua nonsense, it's ridiculous. If the commissioner's office and the front office of the NFL, which is responsible for protecting the integrity of the game, even got so much as an inkling of the fact that Miami was actually tanking to get the first overall pick or a top five pick and intentionally losing ball games. I got news for you. They're not going to have that first round pick. They might not even have the second round pick because it's one of the most egregious things in football. It's what got Pete Rose banned from baseball was betting on his games. And that's essentially what you're doing is betting on being able to get to it. And you're not going to have that draft pick if you're tanking. And if you don't think anybody's going to tell them, look at Bounty Gate, something that definitely was a huge benefit to those players on the Saints. And somehow a few of the guys still spoke out. So I'm pretty sure the information will come out, guys. Well, yeah, and teams won't. Teams don't tank. I mean, there's no way that they're going to hire a first-time coach and he's going to come in here and try to tank. You know, it's it's, it's just not going to happen. It, yeah, it, it's a loser mentality, and the damage that it that could do to your organization would be irreparable. Now. Because nobody – that's something that I wish people would stop talking about. Nobody's going to intentionally tank. If the Dolphins need a year to regroup and then find themselves in the top five to draft a player like Tua, I think that's a good thing. But that's how it's going to unfold, not the other way around. But I'm glad that you brought that up. So, Paul, the other two coaching candidates that have been talked about are – Brian Flores, the de facto defensive coordinator, as they're calling him, for the New England Patriots. And also Darren Rizzi has gotten an interview. There's obviously a lot of steam going on with those. What are your thoughts on those? I, I'm, I Personally, 
I would be very disappointed with Flores at this at this time. The only thing he has going for him is that we really don't know a whole heck of a lot about him, probably because he hasn't called any plays in his life, to my knowledge. Yeah, I, I I'm not well, as enamored with him. Let, let me. Well, I'm sorry. Let me take that. Yeah. I don't know if he's called plays or not. And if he did, then you need to answer why Gronkowski was on that field for the Miami Miracle. Yeah, he he. <sighs> I'm so tired of Patriots head coaches getting these these gift jobs for basically just watching Bill Belichick run a team. Uh, you know, at least Josh McDaniels had the good sense to go, you know what, I really suck as a head coach last year and walk out of the, the Colts before he, he ruined them as a team. And, and, you know, go to one interview this year and go, ah, what was I thinking? I'm not good at this. Let me go back here and just collect the paycheck because Bill likes me. Uh, so I don't want Flores. It's Maybe he's a great coach. Maybe he isn't. But the odds of most Patriots assistant coaches coming out and doing well as a head coach, not very good. As far as, as Darren Rizzi goes, I, the way that this whole thing has unfolded, it just feels like – an appeasement to interview him, which is unfortunate because I do like Rizzy. And, you know, there's questions about who he'd bring in as, as assistant coaches and coordinators and blah, blah, blah. But we don't know the answers. You know, it, it's he might bring in somebody absolutely phenomenal. So we can't sit there and, oh, well, he didn't coach with these guys, so blah, blah. You know what? That doesn't mean that he can't bring somebody in. You give a hungry young assistant offensive coordinator, a chance to move up that's going to be aggressive and fits with Rizzy's play style, you know he's going to encourage being aggressive. So, you know, I can't buy into that. And then the other one that, that's a possibility, maybe the enemy shakes out of all this and everybody's wrong. Yeah, those are the f- three candidates in that order that I would want. Number one, Chris Richard by leaps and bounds now. Number two, I still wouldn't be disappointed with Darren Rizzi because of the situation. I mean, if Rizzi came in for a year and the Dolphins weren't very good and he kept the seat warm, then I think you could justifiably fire him because the team was not good enough. Maybe you can even reassign him back to special teams, even though it doesn't happen very much in the NFL. You know, I, I think that given how long he's been here, And, you know, Steve Ross is, for better or worse, willing to do things kind of ass backwards sometimes. That could be a possibility. Um, Third, Eric Bieniemy. I would want to go away from an offensive head coach this time around, but I wouldn't be disappointed with how people are talking about Bieniemy. I actually think Bieniemy is going to end up coaching his former team that he played for, the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll see how that shakes out. But at this point, Brian Flores would just feel like a big fart in the wind, I'd say. Yeah, I already want to put Flores in the Coke bus, let's be honest here. It's sad. <laughs> he, he's going to have a permanent seat on the Coke bus until he proves otherwise if he ends up being the Dolphins hire. I'm with you on that. And I have one final axe to grind against the Twitter universe and people who say this kind of stuff. Is I hate when people – blanket statements say that, no, uh, I don't want to hire a first-year head coach again, a first-time head coach again. I've got news <laughs> for these people. 
every available candidate is either a first-time head coach or was a first-time head coach and failed. And when you look at the eight playoff teams now, uh, six of those eight head coaches are first-time head coaches. Now, two of them are Jason Garrett and Sean Payton, who were hired about a decade ago. But the Colts with Frank Reich, the Chargers with Anthony Lynn, the Eagles with Doug Peterson, the Rams with Sean McVay, these are coaches that were hired just over the last three years. So it makes absolutely no sense. And I think Richard is somebody that I am feeling pretty giddy about at this point. Hope he gets the job and he would be a first-time head coach. Yeah, no, it's 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 an utterly ridiculous thing. I mean, it's and one thing that I actually meant to mention um, is the fact that, and, and I'm going to quote Travis Wingfield here, who you know also had such a good idea with this that he got plagiarized after the fact, which was great. But all the guys that Miami's looking at are are supposedly teachers, which you look at what Richard did with that secondary full of journeymen and he taught them how to be a cohesive unit. He taught them to play better football. And there's a place for that at the head coaching position. There is a place for somebody that's going to take your fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks and mold them into better players. I mean, he's going to take your first round draft picks and mold them into better players. If he can make Xavier Howard better somehow, Oh my God. Uh, so yeah, it, it's the fact that all these, a lot of these guys have been teachers is huge to me and, you know, good, good job by Travis Wingfield in elaborating that out. Yeah. And I like the, the potential difference here of tra- of, uh, of a general manager. You've got, you've got Greer who you think is going to lean more toward the draft and stockpiling picks, or at least I would hope depending on who's on the board the next two years. And then you do have a, a teacher in Chris Richard as well. But also, again, I like the fact that if you watch him on the sideline in the Cowboys playoff game, very energetic, gets in players' faces too. And he has a track record of incredible success. I mean, yeah, he and a lot of people make a big deal about, yeah, he was just a coordinator one time and he ended up getting fired. But when you look further into that too, he was a coordinator for three years. In his first year in 2015, the Seahawks were second in total defense, total yards given up. In 2016, the Seahawks were fifth. And then in 2017, when things really started to erode on the defensive side of the ball, they were still 11th. So something happened with them personality-wise, I'm convinced, uh, between Pete Carroll and and Chris Richard. And and, yeah, injury-wise, but I I don't think that Pete Carroll looked at Richard and said, uh, this guy is not good enough to call plays anymore. I think it was personality-wise or schematically, we need to go in a different direction. And they mutually parted ways because nothing else makes sense. And frankly, nobody knows what happened between Rashad, Rashad and Carroll. No, completely. It's, I mean, the, the only weird thing was it felt like Rashad got left twisting in the wind. Um as they went along, but you know what? It, it's it's in the past. He got canned for having his unit rank 11th, so whatever. I think every Dolphins fan in the world would take an 11th overall defensive rating or pass uh, rating against the pass or rating against the run. God, that sounds amazing at this point. Yeah, and one thing to keep an eye on, too, that's very interesting is 
Rod Marinelli for the Cowboys, I, I believe he's their defensive coordinator, is banging on the table for the Cowboys to find some way to keep Chris Richard. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm trying to look for the exact quote here. He said, I'll do what, what, whatever the Cowboys need to be done for us to keep Chris Richard. This is the, yes, he is the defensive coordinator. This is the defensive coordinator of a playoff team saying this. That basically what he's saying in there is, I'm willing to take a step back so Chris Richard can be the defensive coordinator of this team, even if it means a demotion for me. That's unheard of. And he's willing to take that step. But in the end of the day, unless they fire Jason Garrett and promote Richard, Chris Richard is wanting to be a head coach. You can bet on that. Yeah, I, that's the only scenario I can think of that might uh, stunt the growth here. And I don't see Jerry Jones firing somebody that's already got one win under his belt in the playoffs this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. So we'll be rooting here for a Cowboys loss over the weekend so that we can potentially speed this process up just a little bit more. And that will do it for our breakdown of the Miami Dolphins' current coaching search here on the Fin side, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. And check out our merch store, too, on thefinside.threadless.com. Paul and I are going to be bringing a lot of off-season news to you from coaches to the NFL draft to free agency. Be sure to tune in and follow us on all of our outlets. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Fin side. So, D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.